0: The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network. Hands the feet. He's to the ten. The five touchdown. Oh! Oh! The tackle Evans up the middle to the five into the end zone touchdown Eastern Michigan straight from the seven three four. It's the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast presented by the Folling Warehouse. Your weekly chance to get in on the action. Now let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. After a hiatus last week for the Martin
1: Luther King Day holiday, we're back and better than ever celebrating a victorious Lions victory over the weekend. Tom, what a great time to be a fan of athletics throughout the state of Michigan.
2: They restored the roar. It's been the most unbelievable football season, probably in the state of Michigan's history, and that Michigan won the national title and the Lions are going to the NFC championship. I've had people text me that I worked with in the nineties that are like, Oh, this is unbelievable. Or my old doctor in Denver, we're Lions fans right now. Or a friend of mine It's a Raiders fan. He goes, I have been a diehard Lions fan for three weeks now. And he goes, it seems like forever since we've gone to the NFC championship. I would say, cause
1: you were a little hesitant at the beginning of the year to jump yeah. on the bandwagon because you've seen this uh, develop before.
2: This team has slapped me across the face on more than one occasion. And, uh, So I'm very excited. Like, it feels like everything after this is all gravy. It would be great to go to the Super Bowl. San Francisco's got a great team. But when I try to explain to the kids, even the youngest ones who are 18, listen, I didn't know your mother the last time this happened. (laughs) I was playing college football the last time the Lions went to the NFC championship. And I remember I had to fly during that championship game. They were playing the Redskins. and When I got off the plane. They got murdered in that game. Ooh. But I was like, well, we'll be back next year. No, we won't. We yeah. won't be back till <laughs> for 2024.
1: 30-some years later, it finally happens. So a great day to be a Lions fan. A bad day for former EMU football player Pat O'Connor, who sees his Tampa Bay Buccaneers eliminated, but uh, uh, still had him in the playoffs. You had Jose Ramirez still on the practice yes. squad. So some good ties to, to Tampa Bay. But now... No EMU players left in the playoffs. Is Wiley? No. Oh, they're out. No, they're in. No, he's he's with the Commanders now.
2: That's right. He moved
1: in the offseason, took the money, and and is playing for the Commanders.
2: I think the next player from EMU that will get to a Super Bowl will be Max Crosby. I think Antonio Pierce is head coach. I think Vegas is in a good spot. I think they can put the pieces together. I think... He, he'll he get a Super Bowl before it's all set. Saw done.
1: Max banged up a little bit. He had a photo the other day laying there uh, after some surgery. So I don't think he'd be playing in the Pro Bowl uh, coming up here at the end. Okay, of the Pro moment. Bowl now is what? A flag football yeah, game with some skills competition? Yeah, not the same. That got so
2: bad at the end. Who would watch that? No one. That's yep, why they changed it. It's the worst of all the professional All-Star games. A hundred percent. And even the stuff they do now, I don't watch. I'm like, no. I don't want to watch you play flag football. You, no. You just can't play the sport. No one, no one watches anyone play flag football. Basketball's probably the next worst. Yep. Then hockey. hockey.
1: Baseball's probably the best. Baseball's it's the, the best, most because they normal. still play
2: the game, right? Yeah. You're changing pictures every five pitches, but still, it's you're getting more of a baseball At game. At least there. they
1: took the uh, it. It matters more when because the whole World Series stuff. I'm just glad that's out of the picture. Yeah, that
2: made no sense too. No. Yeah, Anyways, and they fixed it so there's no more ties. Yeah, really, no like more. They ties. had in Milwaukee. Yeah, they should go back though. To the players wearing their uniforms, I agree, not like all star uniforms, yeah. but their the the home team. You wear your home uni, like that was very cool.
1: Yeah, that's the way it should be. Represent your team 100%. Speaking of representing our team, uh, plenty of basketball that you got to call last week. Two home games, two road games, the double dip at Ohio didn't quite go Eastern Michigan's way for either team but you you look at how each team closed, and we'll focus on the positivity. Women's basketball tried to get back in it late run. Men's basketball, a 20-1 to 1 run after they were down a fair margin.
2: And in reality, Ohio really hadn't pulled their starters out of the game. They were still playing their normal rotation of players. They dumped the bench maybe with about three minutes to go, but uh, Eastern Michigan did find a rhythm there. It's funny because the men's basketball team, when they got to Athens the night before the game, they went and saw Aquaman. And Stan he said, Look, well, we don't, they're not doing enough outside of basketball to be together. So they went to a movie. The general review of players I surveyed was like, Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> I don't think there were, there are going to be any Aquaman fans on there. But they, they got together and, and hopefully they'll write the ship this week. Uh, it, you know, you got Western Michigan in Kalamazoo and, you got some work to do there, but uh, and they've been down in guard play. Kevin David Rice is is out for the season, right. and they've been without McGriff, and and you start getting really thin at that guard position. And you really have Acuff and Lovejoy kind of playing out of position a little bit. They're not true point guards, um, so hopefully that will improve as time goes on. And the women's team, I spent a lot of time with Keisha Blanton. We'll hear from her today, um, and even. When I wasn't interviewing, we were talking about the team. She's like, listen, we we adjusted. We played completely different. Bat- they outscored Ohio in the second half. Yep. If that team can start putting a more full 40 minutes together, they're going to start doing some damage in the MAC, And it'll be a team that goes to Cleveland and maybe wins a game, maybe two. And they're not that far away, but it's there's the change in terminology. They just started playing man-on-man defense for the first time in a year and a half. So they have to implement that. And Keisha Blanton jokes, she said, Offense, you never forget. Defense you have to teach every year. You have to re-implement defenses every year, even at the college level.
1: Yeah, because kids are so used to just wanting to score. They don't think about, oh, I have to stop somebody. Right.
2: And I didn't realize, I guess, how hard it is to play man to man defense. So I'm like, all right, I'm guarding Greg. I've got Greg. They go, Yeah, but all right, they set a pick. You're gonna go over the top, you're gonna come underneath. Are you gonna, you know, and I'm like, okay, there's there's more to it than me just keeping an eye on you and doing that. So but if they want to flip back to zone, they want to fl- flip back to Blanton zone. They right. don't want to flip back to a previous era zone, you know, where it wasn't yeah. working. So there's a lot of dynamic to it, but they're going to play a Kent State team on Wednesday. That's the highest scoring team in the MAC, second best defense in the MAC. Um, but they run a lot of picks and plays and actions, and Eastern Michigan matches up well against that. If you're a team that's just going to play playground basketball like Central, it becomes a little different challenge for EMU.
1: Yeah, Todd Starkey's had Eastern Michigan's number since he's taken over at Kent. And then you get a buzzsaw on Saturday as the number one team in the league, the Ball State Cardinal, who just last night on national television were able to just really demolish Toledo at home. They've got a pair of 1,000-point scores, but Brady Salee and company will be here on Saturday. Men's basketball follows then. It's Buffalo, a team that, this is not the the same Buffalo team that we're accustomed to. They they're, are, bad. they're rebuilding in rebuilding not uh, point <laughs> point.
2: They're real b- rebuilding without any blocks yes, if you they're will. Still putting the blocks together. Yeah. But you still got to be careful. You can't just throw your jersey out on the court and think you're going to win those games. You still yeah. got to do what you need to do and drop the hammer. So,
1: we're at the tail end of January. Both teams right now uh have not kind of hit their stride. What kind of Do they, in your opinion, having witnessed them on Saturday, what do they need to do this week to make sure that they're back in the thick of things?
2: Really, on the men's side, you got to just play within yourselves here. I mean, Tyson Acuff is doing everything he can do to help this team win. So the question is, who steps up? Osoniak finally hit a three late in the game, but he basically went through an 0-for-12 stint between two games where he could not hit a three-pointer. And the relief on his face when he hit it, like, there it is. He's a guy that really gets into his own head sometimes. The team's just got to relax and play basketball. This is a good basketball team. Yep. So the hard part is you got to shake off this four-game losing streak. Bob Simon is somewhat, I think, upset with me because <laughs> after the team started one-on-one in conference play, he and I were standing on the court before the Central game, and he said, uh, I go, we were one and one a year ago. He goes, we were one and one a year ago. I go, yeah, but then we lost five straight. He goes, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. And then I saw him in Athens. He goes, You jinxed us. Yep. You jinxed us. So I go, I don't think that's a jinx if I just give you factual information, but Here we are. We've lost four straight. So I think a lot of this losing is on me.
1: Yeah, that's the announcer's jinx. I mean, it's just like you say, they're
2: shooting 90% from the free throw line. Yeah, I I get it. Like, oh, he hasn't missed a free throw this season. Then you miss it. But if I say something and you repeat history, I don't know.
1: So Keisha Blanton on the show. Eastern will try to snap a losing skid. You can catch plenty of basketball this week for broadcasts on WEMU and the Varsity Network. And then our second interview is with head golf coach, Stephanie Jennings. Eastern was able to open a fancy brand new game above golf practice and performance center last week over at Eagle Crest. $8 million gift that the university got thanks to the game above folks. And what a game changing practice center this is for them to be able to hit chip and drive during winter months. Because uh, last time I checked, it's not real
2: nice out there still. Not super great. A little cold out there. Also if I could do life over I would have picked up a club early in life and just tried to really be good at golf. What a great way to go in life.
1: Yeah, I could say you have I don't when's the last time you played golf?
2: Uh it's probably been more than a half decade since I've picked up a golf club and it's played. It's not a it's a time consuming and expensive hobby. It's time consuming, it's expensive, I'm not good at it and by the time I was finishing up in Denver I kept getting into cuz I was in media you, you play in like these celebrity outings or something like that. So you get paired with a bunch of people who know you that you don't know. It's not fun to play with strangers. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I played in a celebrity thing for the, the golf tournament at Torrey Pines. It was the Buick Open. And I got to play in like the Monday celebrity thing. Oh, yeah. I was a sportscaster at Fox 6 at San Diego. And I think it was on, I was coming down, maybe it was on 17 or 18. And there was a a few people there. Like, you weren't just playing with nobody. And I was playing with Jack Nicholas's son. And I topped one off the tee box. It bounced in the cart path in front of me and kicked sideways. Somebody in the gallery caught it and then tossed it back to me at the tee box. And I said, yeah, that's it, baby. (laughs) I am not going PGA. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: uh, probably... Quick, like oh, your your shot next. Let's let's
2: yeah. Uh, take I just your like shot.
1: I just want to get to the finish line and be done with it. Hopefully, it, it was a best ball, and you you didn't have to
2: play your own. Right? I, we weren't really. It wasn't like I was going up on the leaderboard okay. or any of that type of stuff. And then Nicholas was trying out new clubs, and he was ripping stuff off into the trees too. I mean, of course, three hundred yards down the fairway, you know, off to the left. But it was, and there were a couple other people with us. But I was just like, oh man, I am. It is nerve wracking to play in front of people. And I don't know how pro golfers do it when everybody's the width of your office away from your ball. Yes. And if you don't hit it straight, you oh, can kill somebody.
1: Okay, right in somebody's face. So, uh, no, I, I don't I don't even like it when there are others watching me tee off, let alone in my group. So, you like your force them
2: to turn their backs yeah, and be like... just just look away. Mind yourselves, everybody. Yeah,
1: so Plenty with Stephanie Jennings. She talks just about how this will help impact recruiting, what it means, and just a lot of thank yous to everybody who made it happen. So plenty of her, uh, interviews with her coming up. And then in the future, we'll also hear from President Smith, Scott Weatherby, and of course, uh, Bruce Cunningham from that ceremony the other day. But we've got some great interviews lined up uh, in our upcoming weeks. Tom, you, you've got to spend some time with Tyra Eke. We've also got new head baseball coach Robbie Britt, Kemp Savage on the women's side of things, uh, track and field, all these things starting to go on. So we're
2: back in full swing. We're back in full swing. Yeah. And uh... Tyra Eke, you know, she speaks two languages, Spanish and English. Right. She's learned English at a certain uh, early age. She's also, I would say, a professional napper. Oh. Yeah. I need to pick that up. Yeah. She'd get a full night's sleep and still hammer out uh, two to six hours during the day. I take a nap and then I'm shot for the rest of the day. (laughs) I'm not a napper. If I nap, I'm just exhausted and it's... Then I'm up too late at night, and then I'm off for a couple. Of, it's it's
1: yeah, that's my problem. Then I I can't fall asleep. That day.
2: my dad can shut his eyes for about fifteen minutes, wake up, and it's like he just woke up from an hour, eight hour sleep. He's like ready to go again.
1: Twenty three minutes they say is the ideal time for a nap.
2: That's a that's a tough. If I go down, I'm going down for a while. Twenty three minutes would be good, but I don't know if my biological clock could do it.
1: Well, we have got twenty three minutes in store of of interviews ahead for people uh, that they can tune in right here on the Eastern Insider. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield and the Foley Warehouse.
3: Are you ready? Ready to find the right care that works for you? Care that connects you to what you need anytime, anywhere, and fits best with your lifestyle. Whether it's in person or in your pajamas, online or over the phone, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan connects you to the care you need when you need it most. With the largest network of doctors and hospitals, an easy-to-use mobile app, and a 24-hour nurse line. Because we're always ready to help. Learn more about Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan at bcbsm.com.
0: It's here. Bowling Warehouse. And sports will never be the same. Bowling combines the best of bowling and football. But you don't have to be good at either to have a great time at the Bowling Warehouse. Ipsy Ann Arbor's newest place to play is now open 20 lanes, two bars, over 100 beers the bowling warehouse at the corner of Washington golf side in Ypsilanti where everyone comes to play there's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room and that's the eastern insider podcast your chance to get in on the action bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten
2: all right joining me now interim head women's basketball coach Keisha Blanton I hate saying the word interim you're the head coach right now. Do you feel like there's a stigma or anything with that name? Interim, does it bother you at all?
4: Uh no, I think if anything it puts more pressure on you, right? You want that interim removed so like even though you try not to think about it, it's constantly in the back of your head like it's not an official title, it's not permanent. So, if anything it just adds more pressure. The way I look at it, in the po- I'm a positive guy, but it's you're the
2: only candidate who gets to show what you can do with the team and actually coach them. Not anybody else that wanted to get that gig doesn't get that opportunity that's a little different isn't
4: it yeah it's different but at the same time like right more pressure so somebody's coming in and saying what they could do versus I had an opportunity to do it um so a little more you know the only thing you hate with the interim is you take over mid-season and you wish you had the postseason you wish you had that summer to really acclimate them to your system and kind of figure some things out in the preseason rather than in the middle of a, a conference season
2: Keisha, you knew early on in life you wanted to be a coach. How early did you know? you know what? I don't really playing's not really my thing, but boy, would I love to be a coach?
4: um probably like senior year in high school um I got hurt. But I understood the game so well, I was able to help our, our team, my teammates. And then right after I graduated, my, my coach was like, well, hey, why don't you coach our summer league? They didn't want to coach summer league. So I, I literally started coaching right out of high school, and I just loved it. I loved the ability to look down the bench and at the other team and be like, okay, I can outmaneuver you. I can outthink you. I know the X's and O's of the game. So um, probably right, right around 18. And you went
2: to the University of Toledo. but coached high school basketball at the same time. Yes. So you were probably very organized as a college student, right?
4: Yeah, um, most of it was going to all my classes in the morning, and then right after usually my last class, I was going straight to practice, um, coaching my JV team at the time, and then also coaching varsity. And so like a lot of the things most college kids were doing. I wasn't because I was so focused on just be, wanting to be a coach.
2: Was it hard being a high school coach when you're essentially their age? And they're like, this this coach is just, she was just going to high school dances a year ago. Now she's coaching me.
4: Um, No, not, not what you would think. It was honestly like the first couple of years I was coaching, I knew those young ladies. And so I had you know, been the senior on the team, they knew what to kind of expect from me. And then it was just kind of changing my light of not, you're not hanging out with them after practices, you're not doing those things. So it was really just becoming more of like, hey, I'm the adult, here's what I think. And luckily, you know, we had a great group of young ladies who just, they didn't test me, they didn't try me, they just let me be who I was in that moment.
2: So now you graduate from Toledo, you've been coaching high school basketball, and your life takes a bit of a turn towards the college game. How did that occur?
4: So at the time, um, a town rival uh, at Waite High School had the number two player in the country, Natasha Howard. She plays for the Dallas Wings now. And Natasha was a phenom. Everybody in the country was coming to see her, from UConn to Florida State to Xavier. Everybody was in the gym. Don, Don Staley was one of her you know, final three. And every time somebody would come, Her high school coaches were my AAU coaches, and they would call, hey – such and such in the gym, you need to get here. And, you know, luckily for me, I had people who saw more of me than I saw of myself at the time. And they were like, you're a college coach. We just got to get you there. So they started putting me in front of people. And then I would follow up with emails and just constantly like kind of bug them. And, um, you know, the great thing was Tasha ended up committing to Florida State and I was keeping in touch with their coaches. And finally, Coach Sue um, said, well, do you want to come be our GA? And I'm like, absolutely. So I got to go down with Tasha, Florida State for two years, and it was one of the best experiences of my life.
2: What are some of the greatest things you learned in that time as a G.A. at Florida State?
4: Um, The main thing you learned at Florida State, me and the G.A., was to be a servant. And each of us are servants in some aspect. And you know, how can you serve? How can you give yourself to those around you to make them better? And that's what we were taught. So year one as a GA, you don't do much basketball. It's all the things you don't want to do, right? It's learning how to um, book meals. It's learning how to do recruiting. It's learning how to do what the director of ops doing. It's cleaning the floors. It's doing all the little things. And then that second year you get the privilege of doing basketball um so by my second year you know i got to run the scout team uh we had a change where they let me do three of the scouts like as a ga my second year i was doing the duke scout and uh i didn't get to present it but like coach white was sitting down and talking through me so you i just learned so much there that when i got my first coaching job i was like wait i've i've been doing all this right so it wasn't really a transition when i got my first assistant job
2: and your first assistant job was where? Detroit Mercy. Okay. And, and you, you talk about that transition. It's funny, as I listened to you talk about being a GA, I imagine a lot of people get weeded out in that process because there's a lot of people that are about me, 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 and it's hard to be a servant and it's hard to do the grunt work. And you have to decide pretty early, like, no, no, I, I, you know, am I going to do this or not? It feels like that would weed out a lot in the process. Do you find that to be true?
4: Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, if you have a great, leader in front of you like Kosu. I mean, she was really good at she know she knew the way to get to me was to take something from me, right? I didn't do it the way she wanted. Well, you don't get to do this anymore. And that to me was more of a, like, oh my gosh, like no way. Um and so she put us in positions where it was really hard, right? It's really hard to be a servant. It's really hard to do the little things and she put us in positions where we had to learn to do it and she did a great job of just Understanding the things that made me tick and, and made me want to be better.
2: You have a great energy, and, and it shows that you care about your players. How different is Coach Keisha Blanton than the first time you got to be an interim head coach?
4: Totally different. Um, that first time, I was so... I got to prove myself. I got to win. I got to do this. And it was it was really the me, me, me attitude. And then you step back and it honestly took a friend of mine to sit me down and we watched film together. But the only person we were watching on the film was me. My reactions to our bad palais, my reactions when things didn't go my way, my reactions when things went well. And I watched it and I was like, wow. That's really bad. <laughs>
2: so what were those reactions? Were you overly animated? Were you yelling?
4: Uh, I think it was like more frustration. Like you would see me like, you know, hit my hand on, yeah. you know, the the pad that you stand by. Or you would see me just kind of shake my head in disgust or talk to the people behind me instead of really focusing and coaching the game. Um, and, you know, you still have moments, right, where there's a mistake that is so outrageous you're like oh my gosh um but you know the second time and this time it was more so about the kids having fun understanding that the more you can make this fun and remember it's a game but still hold them to a standard yeah um the easier it gets the more fun you have and the more they respect you
2: how important is it to work the officials is there a craft to that is that part of the game
4: Man, I'm still trying to figure that out. I, right now, I feel like all the officials don't like me. Um, I mean, I think you definitely have to. I think in showing passion, you have to fight for your players and you have to fight for those calls that are just like, wait a minute. Uh, I thought we had a couple of those, you know, in a couple games and. Really, if I've got to take one for the team, I'll take one for the team. Like, like I tell our players, our staff, let, let me work the officials. Let me take that blame. You just keep playing. And so, yeah, you have to. And, and I'm still figuring out the craft of working the officials. But, you know, I always tell our players, like on the road, especially, you have to be 10 points better. Like, you can't put a game in an official's hands. You have to take the game. Um, and I didn't think we did a good job of that last weekend. And it was a couple plays where, it was in their hands and we could have you know cut it to two and all momentum was going our way and that obviously didn't happen
2: in the mac when you lose a game like you did to ohio is it because players were out of position the technique was bad if they just would have done it a couple of things properly it could have swung it or is it Ohio had better players.
4: No, I, when you go back and watch the film, I felt like it was totally us. Like we beat us. I feel like honestly, in a couple games we've beat ourselves and it's just the technique. Like I said, you know, sometimes I have to remember that they haven't had the opportunity to understand how I want to coach them or how I want them to operate in those tough, in those tough games. Right. And we, we didn't have the the non-conference for them to learn that. So a lot of it is they're learning and they're getting their burning, right? Old school saying, you get your learning with your burning. So we're getting our learning with our burning, but I think as we turn into the second half of conference, they're only gonna continue to get better. They're only gonna continue to understand exactly what I'm looking for um, in those moments. And even after the game, our, our point guard, Liv Smith said, I've gotta come watch more film. I've gotta be better in those late game situations.
2: And as you look at the schedule, it doesn't get any easier Wednesday with Kent State. They're the highest scoring offense in the conference, second best in defense. You talk about well-rounded teams, and it goes back to what you talk about. You're on the road against a tough Kent State team. What does your team need to do To battle against that team in that environment.
4: I mean, we're taking on kind of the Detroit Lions, uh, you know, story of hope. Like, we've got to be gritty and we're not going to do everything right. We're going to make mistakes, but the grit, the determination, the um, fortitude to not quit the ability to look at whatever situation comes our way and just keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting. And I think we'll do that. You know, we seem, they said in the locker room, man, we play to our competition. Well, the better teams that come, the better we play. So I'm excited to see what we can do. And we keep talking about we just got to steal one this week. So we just got to steal one, figure it out. Who, if it's Ken, if it's Ball State, we have to steal one.
2: And they got a really good score in Katie Shoemate, when you're up against a player like that do you kind of want to cut off the head of the snake if you will and see who else can try and beat you in those situations or how do you handle it when a team has one of the top scorers in the conference like that
4: well I think we handle it the same way we're going to give her different looks we're going to constantly put our best defenders on her and we're going to try to take away what she loves and make her make her do things she doesn't want to do and that's kind of how we look at it like we know that we can't just stop one player we've got a make sure we do a good job on everybody, but we're going to lock in on her. You know, we'll have a certain defensive plan for her, and hopefully we can execute it.
2: Yeah, that's the whole thing, execution. And I, w- I was kind of blown away by the fact, too, that you guys have started working on man-to-man defense again, which was something that wasn't really played here, and how difficult it actually is to play man-on-man defense in college basketball. A lot of people are like, well, I-, I got you, Keisha. As long as I stay with you, well, you got to fight through picks. Do you go over the top? Do you go underneath? It's much harder than you think. How hard is it for college athletes to grasp that?
4: I mean it's they say you know you never forget offense but you have to teach defense every year and you really do you always with defense have to start from the beginning and build your way up so you start with one-on-one you start with teaching gaps you start with teaching all the other and you have to do it every year no matter how many of the same players you come back with so defense seems to be the hardest concept but it's something that you know you go through high school you go through grade school it's not really hard doing so then you have to continue to teach it every year in college and hope that it sticks in their heads and they get it and you know there are games where we we haven't been very good defensively and then there's games where you go man we're defending everybody like it's our last second our last shot our last opportunity um so it's just trying to get to consistency in our defense and get our our players to understand like we got to lock in and especially against the, the really good teams and the mac every team's good regardless of their record
2: do you feel like your team is getting closer to playing 40 minutes of solid basketball
4: absolutely absolutely I feel like I said I feel like we're the Lions and you look at the Lions they had the uphill battle to figure it out and then when they figured it out it's been full steam ahead so when it finally clicks for us like we have every piece we need we're just one snap away from being really really good
2: Keisha Blanton it's a pleasure as always to talk with you thank you so much
4: no thank you This episode of the Eastern Insider Podcast is brought
1: to you by National Trails Bus, Safety, Comfort, Reliability, Come Ride With Us, as well as Trinity Health. Trinity Health is the preferred healthcare provider of EMU athletics. Get top-tiered orthopedic and spine care. To get you back in the game, as well as standard printing and design, the standard of excellence in design and print for
0: You're small listening business. to the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by the Folding Warehouse, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. Now let's get back to the action with Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. <laughs>
3: Wow. What is it like to <laughs>
0: officially have
1: your team in here?
3: Oh my God, Greg. Um, I, I can't stop seeing them smiling. You know, it, it just, I keep looking at them and we're like waving from down below here and waving up there. I mean, it's just, I mean, to have them see the final, you know, outcome because we, kind of did a little teaser you know before Christmas break and uh but none of this was in here and none of the track man the you know upstairs was not completed so um it it just I said I might cry (laughs) just because of being part of the very first team here at Eastern and what we had to go through in the winter time I was even telling Bruce remember when we used to have to shovel snow from the dome <laughs> there used to be a dome here in Ipsy and that that was our winter you know time and what we had to do to practice in the winter and now this is amazing. Yeah. How
1: much will this change things for you to be able to all year round have a true green a true ability to hit and more importantly for them to just be together as a team.
3: Yeah it, it, it It not only is going to bring our team more together, but just both men and women's golf and uh, having that time to spend and enjoy together. It's, it's home. That's, that's how I look at it. It's you, we have a home, you know, and anybody who wants to come play for us, this is your home, you know, and not only here in inside in this facility, but out here too at Eagle Crest, you know, golf resort. So, you know, we have a full home, for them to practice, to hone their skills, to look at playing beyond college golf. You know, that's that's what it's all about.
1: As an alum, to see other alums, former coaches back here today, yeah. and their pride in being able to have this for you, what's that feeling like?
3: They're just, uh, you know, coach, coach Montler, obviously Coach Cunningham, he was my coach at one point. I mean, just to see, you know, them support everything through the years and, and this moment, you know, in, in our lives. And, um, you know, we, we all went through something, right. They all went through something as coaches and we all went through something as players to eventually get to this point. And, you know, we're thankful that the game above has, you know, seen what golf has done in the past and what golf can do in the future, uh, here at Eastern. So what's your
1: favorite part of this building?
3: Oh, that's hard. That's a hard one. Uh, gosh. I don't know. Just just this whole practice green um, to where it's it's gonna mimic more of what we need to practice um, you know we've had over the last couple of years just a flat putting green and to have the different uh, slopes and undulations and chipping and have angles that we can work on our you know angled chips and, and things like that so it's <laughs> this this is where it all makes a difference. You know, a lot of people have simulators, track man, you know, lounges and stuff like that. I mean, and all of it brings together something special. But this short game practice area, that this, this is where it matters the most.
1: I know the facility is technically dedicated on hours, but a small part of this building also surely supports. Oh
3: yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: how much is it to have? piece of her history in here and what could you imagine she
3: would be saying? Well she'll say remember I remember when I was playing at Eastern and I used to hang the wrestling mats (laughs) she used to hit up against wrestling mats so yeah that that's what she would reflect on I think is is seeing where she was, you know, back in the 40s in where this is now today. And, and to have our locker room be dedicated to her, um, it, it's just so fitting, you know, for everything. So, um, you know, I I wish she was here to see it.
1: <laughs> Anything I missed or that you would like to make sure is on tape?
3: Oh, my gosh. It, it, just so many, many th- Thank you. I mean, there's so many people, um, you know, everyone who's been involved with this project, you know, Game Above from the very beginning. Um, and then everyone along the way, you know, we've had um, uh, Progressive was the designer. We had Granger's, uh, you know, construction. We've had Envy Scapes. We have TrackMan. We, I mean, there's just been so many people and it's been great to see, be here and see it all happen and and see everybody who's been involved um so i yeah you can't thank everybody you know i can't think of everybody but it's just everyone who's been involved with it and uh they're all welcome to come back (laughs) we'll put it that
0: way there's only one podcast in washtenaw county that takes you inside the athletic department every single week the eastern insider podcast your home for all things eastern all the time This has been another edition of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your home smart device for all of our episodes
4: on demand.